0: And you are listening to 94.1 KPFA and 89.3 KPFB in Berkeley, 88.1 KFCF in Fresno, and online at kpfa.org. The time is 3.30. We return to Cover to Cover with Jack Foley
1: and Nina Serrano. Back to Part 2 of Cover to Cover with Jack Foley and Nina Serrano. Well, I'm going to tell you a little bit In fact, I'm going to give you an invitation. I'm going to invite you, all of you, to a family-friendly event, which is going to be the celebration of my political romance novel, Nicaragua Way. Wonderful book. Oh, thank you, Jack. It's going to take place at Book Passages in Sausalito, their brand-new store. The new book passage is located at 100 Bay Street at the Sausalito Yacht Harbor boardwalk which is right across from the Sausalito Ferry Fair. Ferry Pier, sorry about that. I'm very Ferry excited. Fear, did you say the Ferry Pier, <laughs> the Ferry Fair, yes. Yeah. <laughs> like you get off the ferry and you cross the street and there's the new book passage bookstore. A very beautiful bookstore with a view of the water quite a scenic spot and I'm going to be reading from my novel Nicaragua Way, I'm going to be signing books and we're going to have Nicaraguan tapas and drinks and my granddaughter who's um, just arriving from Nicaragua on Friday uh, will be there to sing her songs, so they'll be reading and songs and food and drink and good vibes I look forward to seeing you there it's a family friendly event my noisy great-grandchildren will be there and maybe you'll bring some of yours.
0: And what's that address again?
1: And that's in Sausalito and it's called Book Passage Bookstore 100 Bay Street across from the Sausalito Ferry Pier. Right and that's at four
0: o'clock on Saturday April 8th and that's coming up soon.
1: So I am going to be speaking to you a little bit about my novel, about the writing of the novel of Nicaragua Way. So, Erica, if you would please play that for our listeners. Thank you. In a lot of my writing, there's the memories that I would have of places I had never seen as a child but just heard about these faraway places that I didn't know what they looked like and so as the stories of incidents that had happened there, just the smallest incidents, I would picture them like a movie in my mind and so that I was always looking for the real thing and always trying to also capture this imagined thing and that often comes up in my poems and definitely in Nicaragua way because the whole time the protagonist Lorna is trying to capture the stories that her grandfather told her when she was a little girl and the songs that he sang and and the heroes that he mentioned like i still remember my father telling me that Bolivar was a very great man, and how his father took him to a statue of Bolivar and showed it to him. And so in my novel, Lorna remembers the songs and the portrait of Sandino that her grandfather had showed her and sung to her and told her about. So when these Sandinistas came along, it was something very soulful, deep in her emotional life, and very easy and very attractive to become part of. The main thing that runs throughout the book, and that I think runs throughout American life, and that's for citizen and non citizen, that everybody shares a certain guilt, whether it's spoken or unspoken, of living in a country that's constantly at war, and that brings all these riches and opportunities to us through the suffering of others in other places. And it's not always easy to live with that. Because of U.S. imperialism, they're forced and squeezed out of their own country, either for economic reasons, because there, there's no work or opportunity in their country, or because of actual aggression and repression. This is a nation of immigrants and there are new immigrants coming every day. And so many here in California coming from Latin America and experiencing the switch at schools from Spanish to English and experiencing the dual loyalties and affections for other places and still being part of the here and now where they are in the United States. So imperialism and the anti-imperialist movement and an anti-imperialist viewpoint is something that many people in the Latino community are almost born into because of these dualities and maybe because of this international understanding of the world so that it's almost there from birth and it's certainly there in many minds of people who are recent immigrants that the latino community really understands what that is because it's so part of everyone's present and past in terms of their families and family stories of whatever sufferings they had. Well, one of the things I tried to do in the book was address the current situation we find ourselves in, which is that we're in what's called a globalized society, and that we're totally aware of how interconnected everything in life is, and everything in politics is, and certainly in international affairs. And so by concentrating on the solidarity movement, a social change agent, and giving details of what the Friends of Nicaraguan culture did as a U.S. solidarity group with Latin America, I tried to lay out some of the many ways and paths to organizing and to persisting. And in this case, there was the time of triumphing. but. Freedom is a constant struggle. Change is a constant struggle. So just because you win, you haven't won. There are things that happen at the beginning of the book. the beginning of the book, there's reference to Spain. Lorna has just returned from Spain, where she's worked in the Solidarity Movement, uh, but Solidarity with Chile, where there had just been a coup, and she was doing human rights work with the refugees there in Spain. It's through Lorna's involvement in the social change movement that things happen in her life that throughout everything that's happening in her life she writes poems through all the interaction and creating a movement being involved in the creation of things, relationships, groups, people, movements adds to her own creative life and is is also part of her pathways to romance. She runs into them out there at those meetings, at those pickets, at, at those conferences. I was very concerned with showing aging, that this is a story of an older woman. The story starts, she's already over 40, and she has to go through all of those phases of life. So it takes 14 years for her to go through emptiness, blues, and, and that comes in stages because first her daughter just goes off to college, and then menopause and various things that are happening as we get older. Well, for every parent, there's the emptiness, blues that happens in life. There there comes the time that after nurturing and hovering and worrying and dedicating and turning into a doormat for this other life it comes to an end and it's it's very frightening because then there is this huge void in your life plus what will happen to this poor little fledgling that's out in this big hard cruel world but every parent has to just have faith that that child is going to make it into adulthood and that's actually the measure of success is that you've raised someone who became an adult and went on their own way. Because I wasn't just writing about Nicaragua. It was bigger than that. And I named the book Nicaragua Way because I was referring back to Proust's novel about memory Swan's Way which is all about remembering other times and so this book is about memory both the protagonist's memory that leads her into her present activities and also my own memory that I was documenting and parts of my own journey though I took great liberties with my journey and included the journeys of my friends and family into the characters. Family is a very important link in most people's lives culture is transmitted through family feeling connected is also transmitted through family and staying connected through family increases a person's sense of security in the world like feeling that you have the right to a place in your planet that's that's the main thing I think that people need is to feel that they have every right to their spot on the planet. Wherever that spot is, wherever they go, they have that right. And they have the right to think freely. And they have the right to speak out. And they have the right to be nourished and receive health care. All of these things that in the novel a, a whole nation was struggling for and that my protagonist joins in that struggle. I felt like that was a moment in history worth chronicling that people of two countries came together and people of the world were attracted to the Nicaraguan revolution and participated in it because we did think another world was possible and we saw people creating that possibility right before our eyes under Very, very difficult, difficult circumstances, threatened by U.S. Army and Navy constantly.
0: And that was Nina Serrano talking about her wonderful book, Nicaragua Way. And you can get that book on the Internet through uh, Amazon and various other places, and I'm sure it'll be available in bookstores, and one in particular will certainly have it, the new book passage located at 100 Bay Street at the Sausalito Yacht Harbor in Sausalito. That will be Saturday, April 8th, 4 p.m., and Nina will be there, and there'll be lots of other things happening too, Nicaraguan music, tapas and drinks, and her granddaughter, Nicole, will be singing her latest Nicaraguan songs. And uh, Nina says this is a family-friendly event. She was talking about family, and I'm sure that the DDD monster would agree about the importance of family. (laughs) He was certainly anxious to be a member of the family. And now I think Nina's going to read a poem that's not uh, part of Nicaragua. There are poems that are part of Nicaragua Way, but she's going to read a poem that is not part of Nicaragua Way, and it's uh, a wonderful poem, too. It's got some music, and it goes back to the ancestors.
1: Ancestors stir the pot The ancestors like the kitchen They are called by the sound of chopping The clatter of pots and pans And the promise of slow cooking Polo prompts Aren't you going to throw in a bay leaf? I don't like how it smells up the house, says Joe. But if more people might be coming, add another potato. Anna quietly says, it's nice to float a sprig of dill on top. Silent Rosa hints to add gummy. though when she was alive, she didn't speak English. Her daughter, Rosita, agrees, admitting that she hated to cook. A little more garlic makes it better, Ida says encouragingly. Before I pop the lid on to let it simmer, they all laugh to remember that cut raw onions made them cry. (laughs) Where
0: did that music come from, Nina?
1: My grandson.
0: All right. He's, <laughs> is he
1: going to be there also on Saturday? No, he's at a Grammy meeting uh, in Berkeley. He's one of the activists in the local chapter. Oh. They're fighting to keep their their uh, copyrights because uh, right now radio stations can use musicians' work without paying them. So.
0: They want to get. They, they, they want right. to get
1: their royalties. Yes. Yeah.
0: yeah. Understandable. Um, We're going to, at this point in the show, we're going to talk a little bit about the death of two poets, one Vince Storty and the other Joanne Kiger. And Vince Storty was a very active local figure, well known locally, and he's been, he did a magazine, he's done various magazines actually, and and has been active over the years. And uh, recently he's been particularly active in Alameda. And his death was a shock to all of his friends and uh, uh, to me as well. And and uh, it's a sad thing when a poet dies. And, and Vince probably would have done more and I'm sure would have done more. Um, and he had a novel that was about finished and various things like that. So that his life seems to have ended before it should have. It didn't come to a completion exactly. And we hope the We'll hear more from him, even after his death. Um, I'm just going to read one poem of his from Free Places, Salvaged Spaces. There are many other poems, and that's an interesting book, incidentally. I don't know if it's still available, but, uh, you know, you can find things which are no longer in print on the Internet in various ways, and, uh, you know, find used books, this sort of thing. I thought this might be particularly appropriate the poem is called Heart, and it has a lot of resonance, I think. Heart, said a friend, write with your heart. And, I like to read Elizabeth Bishop, he would finish. I looked for Elizabeth, Elizabeth Bishop and found her. She was in a torn and wrinkled book of poems. I found her hidden on the highest shelf. I read her. She wrote about corners of boxes, about gas station houses, about old dogs perhaps lying in the sun. I recall how that old friend wrote poems. There was one about a Turkish museum. He told me he was standing before statues, busts of Apollo, Aphrodite, Sappho. I recall the telling how fingers moved to warm lips, his warm fingers moving to Sappho's mouth. Warm flesh, touching cold marble, with no guards standing around. No one saying, not to kiss, not to touch. No one worrying about Ali Baba and the Cave of Forty Thieves. Old friend, I swear you saved me a plane ticket. When? Now? Now? I am between that dog, perhaps lying in the sun, and the vision of a statue that would sometimes be touched, as I sit near a dusty bookshelf I seldom visit, something I have had the luck to discover, to chance upon, rather than call my own. That's his poem. Art I think it's quite a beautiful little poem. Yes, it's a
1: lovely poem. <clears throat>
0: it's a lovely poem, isn't it? Yes, and there are many others the book I'm taking this from is Free Places Salvage Spaces and the poet is Vince Storty. He was known locally and known and respected locally but not really known nationally. And the other poet who died um after a sizable career, her first book was published in 1965, so Joanne Kiger has had a great career, and she is a very much a national figure. She was married to uh, Gary Snyder. There's a famous story about the two of them. I don't know if it's apocryphal or not. I meant to ask her the last time I saw her, and I failed to do it. Um, the story goes that Gary Snyder said to her, well, let's go to Japan. I mean, aren't you anxious to go to Japan and get into a monastery and lose your ego? And she said, lose my ego. I just found out I had one. (laughs) I think that has something to do with masculine and feminine (laughs) notions of identity in this country, in this crazy country of ours. Um, Her book, About Now, which is an interesting title. Uh, that's her collected poem she's published many 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 other books and um, she's also Buddhist which is interesting there's many other things there's many things to be said about that and that relationship to her work she is among the female beats if you want to make that connection but she's also a very independent soul a very independent kind of writer and uh, she reminds me in certain ways of Philip Whalen, who was also Buddhist and very independent and a beat technically but, you know, eh, with a lot of qualification. Here's one of her poems. I am sure my dreams must have been of the wrong sort. However, as dreams are reflections of inner dilemmas, how did those arise? From a day of relaxation and summer enjoyment of the fund. Knowledge comes from what purported strike? from that which cleanses. And let us not say heart, but tissue. Hopefully and helpfully, I have built up a language in which to talk myself to sleep, not for purposes of letting in the cold. However, I have found that not all blockaded against is the cold, the dreary rain of the dead, etc., and tasteless realm of the mushroom. As much can be denied as the bilious sun strives to cause an enlargement of singing in the back of the neck and the head. That is uncorraled ecstasy. I call it enthusiasm, which of course means inhabited by a god, a theos. I call it enthusiasm. Free energy. But it has no place to land. It is bursting and unfocused. It is a real force and the counterpart of the gloomy depths. As the pieces of the house ooze sap, blossoms, and green twigs burst from the cracks. Whether or not to join in what I was half committed to see and do. That's a very Joanne Kiger kind of line whether or not to join in what I was half committed to see and do. Now read one other. It is lonely. I must draw water from the well, seventy five buckets for the bath. I mix a drink, gin, fizz water, lemon juice, a spoonful of strawberry jam. Place it in a champagne glass. It's hard work to make the bath. And my winter clothes are dusty and should be put away in storage. Have I lost all values, I wonder? The world is slippery to hold on to when you begin to deny it. Outside, outside are the crickets and frogs in the rice fields. Large, black butterflies like birds. Anyway, that's from Joanne Kiger. That's from her book, About Now, Collected Poems. She had a wonderful career. You can find out lots of things about her. I'm sure there's a Wikipedia page, and I'm sure there's many references to her on the Internet and other places. If there is one poet, wrote Ron Silliman, if there is one poet whose work rests at the absolute center of American poetry over the past 50 years, the point at which all other literary tendencies, at least all the post-avant ones, converge, that poet is Joanne Kiger. You can hear her influence everywhere, from Naropa to the later generations of the New York School, to language poetry. Get a fix on Joanne Kiger, and a half-century of American poetry suddenly comes, clearly into focus. So, R.I.P., Vince Storty, and Joanne Kiker. May they rest in peace. May they rest in peace, and may we continue to read them in the future. We're going to do a few poems, Nina and me. um,
1: Because we're still living poets.
0: We are. We're (laughs) fairly lively, (laughs) I hope. I'm going to read two brief ones, actually, then Nina will read one. These both have to do with Sanghe. The first is called For Sanghe. You're sleeping now, deep into the morning. How brave you were to speak so frankly and so sweetly to the one you loved best in the world. I love when your eyes open and I see the sun. You let me see your secret places And they all shine and make sweet, sweet music. And this is with a quotation from the aforementioned Philip Whelan. Whelan wrote, this poetry is a picture or graph of the mind moving. That phrase struck me particularly. Graph of the mind moving. Sanghi sleeps, the graph of a mind moving. Sangi sleeps the path of the wind moving. Sangi sleeps, the path of the wind, loving, she curls in the blanket, like the wind inhabiting a tree, like the mind inhabiting a subject, like a child in a blanket. Sange is beautiful in the morning, like a leaf appearing on a branch. In the bright light, the path of a mind loving.
1: Beautiful poem, Jack, beautiful. I wrote this poem for you, Jack. My Lord. <laughs> are you ready? I am. I'm, 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 should I duck? <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Forbidden Love. While horrid conditions are driving dolphins to extinction human romantic love manages to thrive. Among the chronically ill, the aged, the passionate, robust beings, infidelious husbands, wives, and all who know how to smile. You cannot stop Eros. It erupts whether appropriate or not, unbidden like spring. Like in me in a plant nursery, Crossing the species line, being enamored by alluring colored flowers, heady is Kansas in August, (laughs) filled with the irresistible urge of the butterfly to relish them. Spring hurry, winter lingers and hinders us from busting out all over in the (laughs) joys of love, carnate and floral.
0: Wonderful. Thank you. <clears throat> I know exactly what that one's talking about, too. I thank you. Richard Rogers, thanks you. And Oscar Hemis, I thank you as well. <laughs>
1: thank you, Nina. Oh, you're welcome. This last poem I uh, wrote for... Uh, a a a resistance exhibition at the Mission Cultural Center. They were accepting a poem as well as art. And I never did hear if they accepted my poem, but I will go see the exhibit and find out. And the poem is called Love Thy Neighbor. Love Thy Neighbor. The ones with red and blue tattoos on their necks and faces or shaved heads or covered by yarmulkes, turbans, hijabs or backwards baseball caps for a team you don't like. Love thy neighbor. The wavy haired, springy curled, puffy headed, shaven, bald and straight haired, dangling long down or straight up short. The ones who move in one gender and then change. Help thy neighbor, whose garbage can stays out too long with long-neglected weeds, lowered window shades decaying, and entry stairs sloping down. The single ones with noisy kids that laugh, wail, and whine. The ones with walkers, wheelchairs, and canes. Give a smile, lend a hand, to pull us all up, All up to a rainbow-colored heaven on earth. To a rainbow-colored heaven on earth. And thank you all for listening. This is Jack. And Nina Serrano. We'll see you
0: in four weeks. Resistance! 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 Activists are shouting that today like they have for nearly sixty eight years on our airwaves the history of kpfa is connected to the history of resistance in america from the mccarthy hearings to anti-war and civil rights movements, to today's voices speaking truth to power
1: for our community's
0: rights health and welfare join the celebration of kpfa's sixty eighth birthday friday april fourteenth as we showcase our history with archival voices of folks like James Baldwin, Gore Vidal, Paul Robeson, Studs Terkel,